world. Past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. The long wait is over. After more than four months of waiting for the Blazers to play a basketball game, they sort of did on Thursday afternoon in Orlando. If you're new to the podcast or just out of rhythm because it's been a while since we've had NBA games or things that resemble NBA games, I typically don't do recaps or game previews on this podcast. It's not, it's just not what I'm here for. I don't think it's worthwhile for me to take you through the run of the Blazers led early and then let the lead slip away and then almost won at the end. Like that right there is about how much this game was worthy of a recap but in general even when the games do matter I won't do full recaps uh, we'll touch on kind of what happened in the game in this episode I want to share my thoughts there's some definitely noteworthy things some things to consider but even if this were a real game I wouldn't do a recap so I'm not going to bless a 40 minute 10 minute quarter scrimmage in which guys didn't really play their full complement of minutes with with your sort of play-by-play, blow-by-blow recap. It's not going to happen. But we will, I will offer you some analysis, some thoughts, and that's what we're going to cover in today's show. The thing that I was most curious about was the two-center lineup. We say that like Zach Collins isn't really a center, but for the Blazers' purposes, Zach Collins is a power forward. So for our purposes, I guess he's a power forward too. But this was going to be the, our first chance to not only see Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins back in action, but to see the Blazers play with this supersized lineup of Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside. And according to Terry Stotts, he was going to start Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside together next to each other. I think that's mostly because this game wasn't going to have um, typical rotations. So uh Stotts played 10 guys and just flipped him out five for five and then brought Jalen Adams in at the end as the 11th guy. But he didn't he didn't stagger subs. He just said, here's our starting group. Here's our bench group. You guys play early. Then the bench comes in. Uh, that meant the reserves basically played the second and fourth quarters with the starters playing the first and the third. But the thing I was excited to watch was that potential Yusuf Nurkic, Hassan Whiteside pairing. I thought it was the most curious thing. I thought it would be the most interesting thing we might see in these games. And we definitely might see them, but Hassan Whiteside didn't play. He was dealing with an Achilles and calf issues in his left leg. Nazir Little also didn't play. He's been in concussion protocol after taking apparently a spill at practice earlier in the week. So we got what will probably be the Blazers starting lineup. And and importantly, and what I want to talk about here in this first segment a little bit is we got to see Nurk and Zach. And boy, did Yusuf Nurkic look pretty good. And he looked pretty good in a variety of ways. And I think this underscores how much the Blazers missed him. And Damian Lord mentioned this earlier in the week is one of the things that Nurk brought to the team that they didn't have before was all the, not just the passing and like getting assist numbers, but his playmaking ability and just running dribble handoffs and other things that don't come as, don't show up as assists in the box score, don't land him with more assists, but are just playmaking, functional playmaking stuff that Hassan Whiteside and frankly any of the other centers in the roster just, they don't really have in their in their arsenal. Uh, Hassan is big and long and good at dunking, but he's not a playmaker or facilitator like that, and Nurk's ability to facilitate was really on display here. Uh, he handled the ball at the top of the key a lot. 
that's an action that the Blazers have used with him in the past. They use it a little bit with Hassan Whiteside. It's just a way to, you know, give them a little bit of space with guys who are traditionally non-shooters. But Nurk operating out of that top of the key or just below the top of the key, like a a step inside three-point line on top of key, he's really, really valuable. He can make backdoor passes as he did to C.J. McCollum. He can set up dribble handoffs. He can flip to the wing and then run opposite to set a, set a screen or set a screen in the ball. And he's the whole time, he's seven feet tall, nearly 300 pounds. His touch looked fine. He got rebounds. He, he just looked like there wasn't a lot to take away from this game necessarily because it was a... Like I said, a 40-minute scrimmage, 10-minute quarters. The Pacers weren't starting their normal guys up front in the front court, so it wasn't like he was going against Miles Turner and uh, Demontis Sabonis, neither of whom played. So I'm not trying to suggest that Nurk beating up on Jakar Sampson and Annalise Johnson is like the sign that he's back. But in general, he looked good. And I think after, you know, several 16 months, basically, since he last played basketball, that's... It was notable that he just looked fluid. He looked like someone who could... He's been insisting he's a better basketball player than he was before he got hurt. And I don't know that we know that, but he looked like Nurk. Used his size, used his passing ability, scored a little bit, grabbed rebounds. Chucked up a three for those of you excited about that. I thought he looked pretty good. Zach Collins, who hadn't played since the third night of the season, way, way back when in November, he also looked pretty good. I saw some people online on my Twitter feed more excited about Zach Collins than maybe I was watching this game, but he looked good. Um, and just to have another functional defender and big guy on the on the roster is going to be really helpful those two are going to really really help I don't want to draw too much into this but my first reaction is that Nurk looks a lot like Nurk and that's really big news we'll see more going forward before we say you know how how much of an impact he's going to have but the the earliest earliest returns he looked much like his old self and his old self was a very very good basketball player and Zach Collins looked solid and competent and the Blazers getting another solid competent contributor someone who they can really depend on for competent basketball that's a big thing that's a, that's like that might see, sound like a low bar but for this team to have a another reliable part is a really big deal so Nurk and Zach returned it was nice to see them back I it's such a weird setting that you don't, even if this was preseason, it would feel different for Nurk for coming back. It's just the no fans and the, the no, you know, basically no local media in the bubble. Well, no, like Portland based media, but no, like, like on the ground media interviews, you know, uh, it's, it's all, it's all, it's, it feels very strange. It doesn't feel like this huge return moment for me, but it is a, it is a significant deal. Him getting back on the court is a big deal and him looking pretty good is a big deal. And Zach looking really solid is a big deal too. These guys are going to help. I think if we learned anything from game one, it's that the Blazers have some players who can help. And those dudes, at least in night one, looked totally healthy and ready to go. Second segment, I want to talk a little bit, a little bit about Damian Lillard. His approach stood out to me in this game. But before we get there, I want to tell y'all about rockauto.com. This is the place to get your parts for your car or truck online because they're a family business that's been doing it for 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com right now and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you need. 
from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And best of all, the best part, RockAuto.com always has reliably low prices that are the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. You don't need to pay more for the same parts. You need to go to RockAuto.com. And when you get there, make sure you put Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right. So in the first segment, we talked about the return of Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins, a big deal, albeit in a weird game. The Blazers play a couple more of these scrimmages before the games really start. I think those two will be more telling than this one was in particular. So we'll try not to get too carried away. But like I said, that was a big deal. Nurk was the headliner. Zach was maybe the subhead. And the thing that really stood out to me beyond that was how Damian Lillard approached this game. It was so clear from right from possession one that his plan was to get the guys who haven't played in months and in Nurk's case more than a year rhythm he got Nurk a post touch early in the game said you know first offensive possession go post this dude up we'll space for you so the double team won't come take your time go get a bucket you know make see the ball go in and we'll build your rhythm from there and then in the second half Dame kind of continued that it was so clear that he was just like Nurk, let's run pick and rolls against live defenders, and I'm going to feed you, or I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the ball on, up top after we run a quick pick and roll action or a quick dribble handoff action, and let you facilitate or let you make decisions. Uh, he was uh, deferring to Zach Collins. He was deferring to quick post ups to Carmelo Anthony. Which, by the way, with this particular lineup, Carmelo at the three was fine. Um, if you're someone who's like, where do they stand? Zach Collins was the one who stood in the corner. So he's the spacer with this lineup. But in general, the thing that stood out to me was Damian Lillard understanding what this was. And what this was was an important tune-up for two specific guys. And he will have his time to, you know, push it into high gear. I don't believe Damian Lillard took a two in this game. I'm not going to look at a box score. I refuse in a 40-minute uh, scrimmage to look at a box score for this one. I watched the game. I don't believe he took a two-pointer. I think he took all threes. And that's not to suggest that taking mostly, if not exclusively, three-pointers suggests Dame wasn't trying, but he wasn't really forcing the action. He wasn't going to get downhill off a pick-and-roll and and get into into the paint. He wasn't trying to, uh, you know, draw fouls or, or, or manipulate the defense for his own benefit. This was a guy who understood what, what it was and said, Carmelo Anthony's in a new spot. Zach Collins hasn't played since November. Nurk hasn't played since last March. Let's get them going. And I thought that was a level of maturity. Not that I was surprised by Dame's level of maturity, but that approach was so distinct and so pronounced that it really stood out to me. And to be totally honest, I think it also stood out to me because it it showed that Dame also understands what's at stake like in a larger picture. Like this, he could have just taken three minutes and said, cool, I'm going to prove that I'm in rhythm or I'm going to find my rhythm. But he understands that 
uh, he's played basketball more recently than these other guys. And he can, he'll be able to get himself going. And when the games start, the ball is in his hands. He can find a rhythm in the meaningful games. He's that good. These other dudes, they need these, they need these reps. And this was going to be a really limited run for them. They were only going to play the, you know, two quarters, basically, basically 20 minutes of basketball. And they weren't going to get a lot of different combinations. So if he, while he was on the court, he made sure to get his guys touches. He knew the outcome of this game was meaningless. And he knows that the Blazers don't have much, a lot more ramping up time. Like they play two more of these games. They're probably not going to, they might have like something that is sort of like a full on dress rehearsal where we get to see the game rotations. But there's a chance that Terry Stotts doesn't do that just because he wants to keep guys healthy and he doesn't want to put a whole lot of here's my game plan stuff on tape until the games matter. And with that, and with, if that is the case, if the, if there are limited minutes available, the guys who need to maximize their minutes are not Damian Lillard. They're not really CJ McCollum either. That didn't hold CJ back from being himself, but he does what he does. He gets shots up. And like if Dame is being passive or being like aggressively in facilitator role, someone has to shoot on some of these possessions and CJ was the guy. In a way, I kind of think Dame's performance mirrors my own opinion. Like this, there's so little you can learn from this game and you can take from this game. This is just about finding your legs. And I kind of was like, that's why I'm not looking at the box score. It's why I'm not rolling through recaps. Uh, because it's just, this game wasn't about anything other than just getting your sea legs, getting your sea world legs. Is sea is world a Disney product? I don't know. That's a bad joke, even if it is a Disney product. But I think Dame showed an understanding, a grasp of what the deal is here. And to me, that really stood out. To me, that was his limited production and his kind of obvious deferring. It's That stood out to me watching this game as much as anything else. When I'll come back in the third segment and close out the show, there were some people not named Nurk and not named Zach Collins who deserve some consideration, some discussion. Some dudes who came off the bench who caught my eye, and we'll talk about them in that third segment. Still a pass for a point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Lockdown Blazers. We're still talking about a scrimmage that happened in front of no one on Thursday afternoon at Walt Disney World Resorts in Orlando, Florida. Nurk was meaningful. Zach was competent, and that's meaningful. Dame was patient and pragmatic, and that was meaningful. But there were some other guys who deserve some consideration. And one of them has been getting his name called out by local media, by national media. And he's there is a, there is a level of spotlight on him. And I'm talking about Gary Trent Jr., someone who was probably supposed to be a rotational afterthought this time last year when the Blazers were heading into training camp and now all of a sudden as they close out this strange 2019-2020 season he's an integral part of their hopes to make the playoffs and he looked solid I thought there could be maybe not that the moment would be too big for him but that he's that the expectations have ramped up a little too high for Gary Trent Jr. and that he would just performing 
even slightly below expectations would feel like a big drop-off for someone, but he looked really, really solid. He did Gary Trent Jr. type things. A step-back three off the dribble, an aggressive rip the ball away, get a jump ball from Victor Oladipo. I mean, he just... He didn't play with the starters at all. He played almost exclusively with that bench group, or excuse me, exclusively with that bench group, and he looked really good. Um, if... If I had any concerns about Gary Trent Jr., and I don't, I think he's part of that top seven, you know, with the with the guys who started today, Hassan Whites and Gary Trent Jr., those seven are absolute locks to play big minutes during this uh, Disney experiment, and Gary Trent Jr. showed exactly why in game one here against the Pacers. He was just... He was just the Gary Trent Jr. you remember. He does high energy things. He can shoot the ball. Um, he, it's not like he's running a ton of pick and rolls and playing this like lead guard thing. But he he is a he can be a useful offensive part even when not surrounded by superstars because he can get his shot off off you know one dribble or two dribble moves and he's a good catch and shoot shooter and he's a good enough athlete to be kind of a line drive finisher. Um, he played he played hard on defense. He made some impact plays just hustling and doing stuff on that end guarding Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo a little bit. Gary Trent Jr., if you had any concerns and you didn't cuz you're a Blazer fan listening to this, you're hyped on Gary Trent Jr., so I don't need to sell him anymore to you, but if you are in that group that had concerns, throw him out. He looked good. Gary Trent Jr. looked really good notably good in this game and I think playing with better players the more minutes that he plays next to Damon CJ or with one of those two guards and with one of the the any combination of those starting big men I think it'll look even better because if he's not a super focal point not that there was like a heavy game plan on him today but the less he's a focal point as a complementary piece his value goes up even higher because he's just such a he's just so good as as kind of like a tertiary scorer as as that third or fourth option he's he Gary Trent Jr. has he just does stuff speaking of doing stuff I thought Wenyan Gabriel gave some good energy minutes in this game including one uh, possession where he blocked two shots uh, TJ Leaf blocked him twice in one possession but Gabriel is one of those guys who's right on the outside like I said there's like this top seven that's I think is a lock and then the question is who is eight it's probably Anthony Simons but I don't think that's set in stone and if they go nine deep then you have the these choices between Nazir Little who didn't play Wayne Gabriel who looked like he just does what he does and Mario Hazonia who I'll talk about in a second uh Gabriel just hustles uh the shot he's He's got okay touch, but he's not a shooter. Like, he missed some open shots. At least I have that written down in my notebook that he missed some open shots. I'm not looking at the box score. We'll never know. Um, but he he just hustles. He chases down loose balls. He uh, he fights over screens in a, in a game that wasn't particularly meaningless. Like, you can just see his effort. Now, that effort doesn't always match up with great decision-making and, like, really high-level IQ basketball, but he's really long, almost 6'10", 6'9", with long arms, and he plays really hard, and that combination causes just for some, like, good, positive havoc to happen. And I think that's really what Gabriel showed today, is that he is capable of creating some positive havoc. And that might mean that he's in the running to be that ninth guy. And depending on certain matchups, uh, Terry Stott said he's played both forward spots, um, but he but Stotts mentioned specifically that the three is where he would see that uh, Wenyan could get some minutes. I think that's that backup small forward spot is kind of or backup wing spots are kind of where the Blazers have have minutes to be earned. And Gabriel has 
in certain specific situations could play small forward and, and could really wreak some some positive havoc. So I, I liked what he did today. This again, this isn't a big meaningful thing. I don't mean to underscore this as like um as something that is that's gonna translate into the real games or even translate into the next scrimmage, but just as an observation from the first 20 minutes of Wayne and Gabriel in Orlando, I thought he looked I thought it was a positive day. It's also a positive day for Mario Hazonia, who Still mixes in some weird turnovers and bad decision-making, but he made his shots today. And when Mario Hazonia makes his shots, he just seems like such a more a functional player. Now, that is true for, like, literally anyone in the league. When the ball goes in, you look better. But for Hazonia, I, I mean it specifically for him because he is a really good athlete, and he's strong around the rim, and he's big. And he played mostly point guard, like he was the, the offensive initiator, even with Anthony Simons on the court. Um, Hazonia is the guy who kind of got the, that second unit into their offense. And like I said, there were some decision-making stuff. There were some, there were some turnover things, but uh, you know, he hit a, he hit a pull-up three in transition. He had another three when the ball kind of found him off of a broken play and hit a top of the key three. None of these are contested shots, but they're important shots. And if he can shoot even just a little bit, if he can shoot, you know, just below league average, if he's like a 34% three-point shooter, then it opens up what he does well, which is use his size to get inside, to get fouled, to, to, to drive and, and make plays because he's a he's a willing passer, um, sometimes a little erratic one, but he's a willing and creative passer. And for other guys, they're going to stand still and shoot threes. Hazonia is going to run pick and roll, so he might get some threes off the dribble. He might get some threes, um, you know, when a guy goes under and he has a chance to just shoot a three when a guy decides to say, hey, I dare you on a pick and roll stuff. If he makes shots, it opens up a lot of his game. Um, and and the shots went in tonight, and Hazonia looked really like he looked like a a guy who can help. Now, I don't know if he's going to be involved in the rotation. I think, like I said, it's him and Wenyan and Nazir for that ninth guy every single night. And I think matchups will dictate that some. I think hot hand will dictate that some. And Hazonia will likely get at least some regular burn just because he's uh, the most veteran of, of that trio. And he probably does more stuff with his ability to handle the ball. So if the Blazers need another ball handler, maybe he's the choice as the Croatian Evan Turner, but, um, he, he kind of showed his, some positives in this one that he showed the good Hazonia, basically. This was good Mario. There's some days that it's bad Mario, and this happened to be good Mario. One final note, regular listeners will remember that when I was doing the sort of emptying my notebook thoughts on the Blazers in Disney, that I I thought the team was going to play zone, uh, starters didn't really play zone. I believe I played one possession according to my handy dandy notebook here, but the, um, the bench unit played a couple possessions zone three or four, according to my handy dandy notebook here. Shout out to blues clues. That might be blues clues trademark. I might've just, I might've just impeded in the blues clues trademark with saying handy dandy notebook twice. I apologize to blue and the gang, Steve. I do think we'll see more zone from the blazers. I think we'll see it um, especially when Nurk and Hassan are on the court, because I think that that helps kind of limit uh, some of their deficiencies on the defensive end and then maximizes what they're going to do well. It won't help one of the Blazers' biggest issues, which is guarding the perimeter. Um, it might even exacerbate one of their 
one of their issues defensively, which is giving up too many clean looks from three and just too many threes from the wrong guys. So I don't think the zone is going to be like a heavy dosage of that, but we saw it a little bit here. I think we'll see it a little bit more going forward. And uh, just as something that I, as a basketball nerd, was interested to see if they would do, we got a very, very brief taste of it in scrimmage number one. Blazers got more scrimmages coming up this Sunday and then Tuesday before the games actually start. I'll have shows for you after those. I thought this was, while the Blazers, oh, I I haven't even said this. Incredible. We're at the very end of the show. The Blazers lost this game. They ended up losing the game. Actually, I might have mentioned that in my five-second recap of this game but in any case they lost this game and it's it's totally meaningless like the, the outcome is me if they'd won if they'd come back and won the Pacers tried to give it away at the very end if they'd come back and won it would have been meaningless but I think what is meaningful is that you see um little little flashes from how guys can help when the games actually matter and I think the next two scrimmages will be, at least they'll be 48 minutes, they'll be the length of an NBA game, and I think we'll probably see something more something more similar to what the Blazers might look like when the games do matter next week, so I will share my thoughts with you then. No recaps, maybe we'll do box scores, we might do box scores if it's 48 minutes, but don't expect recaps, I'm, I'm not going to do game previews either, but what I am going to do is try to share what I know in a way that I hope helps you understand and appreciate the team more. That's going to do it for today's show. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.